Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Peggy Sealfon. And Peggy is a personal development coach, an author, motivational speaker, and internationally recognized as an expert on dealing with stress and anxiety. Peggy effectively coaches clients in her integratedlifeplan.com, a customized blend of Western and Eastern traditions. Her fast track, cutting edge system improves emotional well being and helps create a balanced, productive, happy, and healthful life. Her best-selling book is Escape from Anxiety, Supercharge Your Life with Powerful Strategies from A to Z. And Peggy's going to be talking about how to become aware of the beliefs that have been holding you back so you can exchange them for beliefs that move you forward. These beliefs can be based on something that happened or even something we may have misinterpreted. Don't worry, Peggy's going to give you lots of ways to identify what's going on so that you can change it. Here's Peggy. I am so excited. Today we have Peggy Silfon with us, and we're going to be talking about how to let go of the past and be the best you. And I know sometimes the past just keeps lingering and lingering, and Peggy is here to just share with us how to let that go. So welcome, Peggy. Thank you, Debbie. I'm really pleased to be here with you. Oh, Thanks thank for having me. Oh, our pleasure. So when you, you know, I, we're going to get into the, the past and all of that, but is there an experience in your past that you're speaking about when you, when you mention letting go of the past? <laughs> so, you know, I don't believe you can be alive today and not experience emotional traumas along the way, right? So relationships are challenging and they tend to teach us a lot about ourselves. But when I thought about this question, um, I really had to go back to my earliest betrayal for me was from my mother. So my mother was very cold and distant. I never felt she loved me. And she was never a touchy-feely person. And I always associated hugging with some sign of affection. And why was my mother that way? She was in rebellion against her mother, who was over-the-top touchy-feely, and so she chose a different path. And the fact that she just wouldn't hug me didn't mean that she didn't love me, but it took me a long time to understand all of that. I felt very much isolated from the love that I wanted from her. And to be honest, as we go through intimate relationships, the same thing can happen. Betrayal can be so devastating, but it doesn't have to be long-lasting, and it doesn't define who you are in this moment unless you allow it to. Mm. So how did you interpret that? Because in your uh, your definition of, let's say, a mother's love would be showing that type of affection. And when, and when you didn't receive that, what, what message did you take from that? I took that she did not love me, that she, I was the third of four children. I felt unwanted and that she, I was an afterthought, that she really didn't have time for me. She was busy. She always had migraines. And, but it, at the end of the day, it was just her behavior. Her nature was different. And I had expectations that were unfulfilled because of what I needed. I needed to be touched. I needed to be hugged. And that wasn't something that was in her behavior. It had nothing to do with the love that she had for me. She just showed it differently and I didn't see it. Mm. And that's what's important in terms of understanding the past and understanding betrayal. Sometimes it's your perception. Right. So, so you interpreted it as that she didn't love you. And then how did that play out for you? What, what did that create in you and in future relationships? 
terrible insecurities. I never felt valued. And I think it's our human dilemma, especially for a lot of women. We feel like we're not good enough, we're not pretty enough, we're not smart, whatever it is, we feel this lack. And when, you, you know, there's a lot of research and science that really supports the fact that touch and mother's love is really critical in our mental development in particular. And so being somewhat deprived of that. And I mean, I had a wonderful family. So it wasn't that I was lacking this nuclear family, which an awful lot of people grow up with that. I work with so many clients who lost parents when they were four or five years old. So I didn't have that tragedy or trauma. But again, it was my interpretation and just what my needs were. And as I grew up, it definitely infiltrated every aspect of my life, which is how I ended up becoming a personal development coach and, and training and, and studying in so many different traditions from both Eastern and Western. Mm-hmm. I needed to find solutions for myself so that I could be whole. Right. And, and you know, it's so interesting to me because... It, it always seems that we go one of two different paths. We, we just learn something and just automatically that's what we do because it's what we know. Or we say, well, you know what? I really didn't like that. So I'm going to do the opposite. I remember uh, Tony Robbins telling a story about, and I, I, for those who know the story, forgive me if I, if I botch it up a little, but it was something to the effect of they had a, uh, it was this, this dad and he was in jail and he did all these, committed all these crimes and everything. And he had these two sons and Tony uh, interviewed the sons. And one of them sort of followed that same path. And he asked that son, well, why'd you do all that? And he said, well, look at my dad, what choice did I have? And then he interviewed the other son who was this model citizen, great marriage family, just doing great in the world. And he said, you know, Tony said, well, how'd you turn out like that? And he goes, well, look at my dad. What choice did I have? You know, it, it's <laughs> right. It's almost like we go down one or, or two paths. And it seems like clearly you were searching for something and you didn't like what you received. So you wanted something very different. And at the end of the day, we each have a choice on how we want our life to manifest and how we want to show up in it. And I think a lot of times from adversity, we're propelled into making more uh, you know, positive choices for ourselves. However, some people get stuck in the negative and in the bad choices, and then that becomes a lot more hazardous to their health and well-being. Mm. So why are these things so hard to get over? It's a great question. I think these wounds are truly stored mentally and physically in our bodies. And so we really hold on to these hurts. A lot of people become victims and buy into the belief that I was just talking about earlier that we're less than, that you know, we're just not good enough and you know, we don't match up. And also what often happens is that we feel that we're unlovable. If someone could treat us like the way we might've been treated or has done the unthinkable to us, we must be a hateful person. So we get caught up in this myth and it's not true. And if we believe it and feed it, it becomes bigger. And we'd feed that thought with our attention. And there's a great actually story 
Uh, it's an old Indian story that a grandfather tells his son the secret of life. I don't know if you're familiar with this one. Mm-hmm. No. And he tells his grandson that we each have two wolves inside of us. We have one wolf that's full of anger and hatred and avarice and greed. And then we have this other that's full of love and integrity and respect and kindness. And the grandson looks up and said, well, grandfather, which which wolf wins inside me? And the grandfather looks down and says, the one you feed. Mm. That's so true. It's so true, isn't it? We have a choice in what we can feed. So let's say we're feeding the wolf that's just creating all kinds of destruction. How does that show up in our health and our well-being? What does it look like? So it shows up differently for different people. I work with so many different kinds of clients, some who suffer insomnia, and that's the problem. Some who have serious diseases, and that's the issues that they're challenged by. And so these imbalances that we store, these old wounds that are really energy that, that block the normal optimal flow in our bodies and minds, when they get stuck and stopped, it really causes these imbalances that ca- cause us to manifest either physical or mental symptoms. So people get uh, anxiety, they get um, social anxiety, uh, OCD, obsessive uh, compulsive disorders, or they get sick, they get physically ill because they're so busy being triggered by reactions to these old patterns. Um, It actually creates these neural pathways in our brain. So we react to these triggers kind of like let me backtrack a second. It's kind of like a record that we store that hurt in our brain. And so if you go back to when you were four, if you put your hand on a hot stove, you remember that pain, right? And your brain records that memory. So you'll never do that again. Or if you're close to doing it again, you react with the fear of anticipated pain. And so that's what happens to us. We store these triggers and these triggers as we are in a Uh, situation in the present, it causes that tension, that stress, that anxiety that affects us mentally and physically. We don't cope well. And Mm. I'll give you an example. I, I worked with a client whose husband cheated on her typical betrayal, right? And they eventually divorced. And as she entered the dating world, she was constantly replaying what her husband did to her. And she'd superimpose that on every man she dated. So if he was late for a date, or if he didn't call for a day or two, she would fume with anger and distrust that, here he's betraying her again. And that distrust often becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy because the guy starts feeling those vibes of not being trusted and she can never really enter into a healthy relationship because she's reliving these old, in yogic terminology, they call it some scars, Mm -hmm. these old sort of wounds that we stored deep in our bodies. And it becomes a habit and this cycle of repeated experiences until you address it honestly and courageously. Yeah. And you know, you mentioned two things and I just want to make sure the listeners are just, this is so important what you said. The first thing being just how, how this shows up physically. And, and I want everybody to be really clear here. You don't just get a disease by the time or, or an illness or a symptom or a condition, 
it starts as a thought. That's that thought is is repeatedly fed over and over and over again. It becomes a you know emotion and a belief and a, a feelings and a belief. And when it is reiterated so many times, when the body expresses it physically, you have you have had this within you for so long. Does that sum up pretty much what? Oh, that is beautifully said. It is so true. It's you know feeding that wolf, mm-hmm. that evil, nasty wolf, and yeah. and a lot of clients that I work with, they come to me because they know they're in pain and something's wrong and out of balance, but they don't even realize that they have created this pattern for themselves. They don't see it. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's not until some symptom manifests that they just can't cope with anymore or don't want to cope with pain or you know, just crippling anxiety, then they are called to action and they mm-hmm you know, really feel motivated to do something about it. But it shouldn't reach that point. We we can stop this process much sooner. That, yeah, and it's so it so often does. And the other thing that you said was that it it if we don't heal it, it doesn't go away. You know, we just think, okay, well I'm done with that relationship and so it's over. But no, it's not. If it's not healed, it just follows us into into every single relationship that we have. And you know, your example with that, the uh, the ex-wife dating again. So, so how do you work with, with clients when they do come in, uh, with an emotional challenge, you know, what would be the first step you suggest to them? So before I address that, I, I just want to reiterate that's so important to really heal the initial wound. And to do that, it's important to go to the source and not just treat the symptoms. You know, we are so, uh, forced in our culture to just take a pill or treat the symptoms and it'll go away and you feel better. Well, you feel better temporarily, but it comes back again and again and worse each time. So I agree with you. It's so important to heal it. So, you know, and I'll just stop you right there. This will be an analogy. You'll remember this forever. Everybody who's listening, it's as if uh, it, and and what Peggy's talking about here in treating the uh, you want to get to the underlying uh, issue instead of just treating the symptom. So imagine you're driving your car and the red engine light comes on, and it would be as if you're taking some kind of sticker or something and sticking it over that red engine light so you don't see it. You know, uh, think about what would happen to your car, right? Nothing's being treated, nothing's being healed or handled, and eventually, of course, the car breaks down. That's what that's what so many of us do. We're not healing at the roots. We're just managing the symptoms by not exactly covering them up. And it's so funny because I actually use that. I do a lot of motivational talks and I use that exact example in many of my (laughs) talks because it's so relatable. Yeah. And it's so clear that you're not really addressing the real cause and you're just on the surface feeling better that the light is out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what do you, so what do you, what would be the first step? So the first step is to really accept that you have an issue. Uh, and if it's symptomatic, it's a, it's a wake up call. Your body or mind is telling you, okay, I have a challenge I need to deal with that I haven't dealt with. And the first step is really to learn awareness and mindfulness to be aware of reactions to people, to situations, to really tune into the triggers and to become present in this moment, in this time frame, not with what was and to stop living in the past, stop focusing on the hurt and really live now and live fearlessly. 
For instance, I have a client who suffers from a very early childhood post-traumatic stress disorder, and she's now in her 60s. And she can be triggered by just loud noises or blaring music that's nearby. And she goes into this fight or flight response of fear and immediately feels it in her body. She's nervous. She's jittery. She gets these terrible headaches. And so for her, it's a matter of being aware and evaluating in that very moment, stopping and taking stock. She's feeling this in her body, but wait a minute, take a moment. Am I in danger? And no, it's just loud voices or loud music. So by taking stock and being in the now and really evaluating in that moment, it helps her to become more keenly present in the now and realizing that, wait, in this moment, she's safe. And then there's a lot of other tools that we've developed. And and the process takes some training and it takes some repetition, but it's really about coming into that place of mindfulness to begin with. Because if you're, if you're not going to own it and take stock of it, you really can't release it from the source. Mm. And so often when this happens, we can really stay stuck in that victim mentality. And I mean, let's be honest, there are lots of benefits we get from being a victim. We get to be right. We get our story. We get to, you know, have someone to blame and all of these things. But what do you suggest if someone is stuck in that victim mentality? How do they change that mindset? So oftentimes that victim mentality, again, it's, it's an ingrained pattern. So it's becoming aware and then learning ways of interrupting it. And one, one important thing is really learning to value yourself, to love yourself, to respect yourself. Oftentimes that victim feels less than. And I love recommending to a lot of my clients to use uh, Louis. Louise Hayes. I don't know if you're familiar with Louise Hayes. Of course. Okay. So her mirror exercise really helps um, activate the self-love muscles. So you look into the mirror every morning, look deep into your own eyes, and you tell yourself, I love you. And you start articulating each day, what are the things you love about yourself? And you have to stay with it for at least 21 to 30 days. And if you're not positive about things about yourself, think about what compliments other people have given you and just focus on your assets. And that's a good interrupter and helps begin to change that pattern of being a victim. Suddenly you become empowered instead of powerless and helpless. Mm. And Peggy, I have to tell you, I know of so many people who, uh, want to do the mirror work and can't even look into their own eyes. I understand that. I work with a lot of people like that. And I, and I take them on small steps first. Mm-hmm. And so I do a lot of different kinds of interrupters, as I call it. Um, one is just really taking a time out when you're feeling particularly down or just um, under the weather. Maybe you're just not feeling very energetic. It's great to just take a three or five minute break to just close your eyes and just focus into yourself. Just give yourself a timeout like you would give a child, right? A little timeout in the corner. And so I've actually developed some audio um, recordings that your listeners can use to help guide them into a very productive timeout where you really just focus inward and you're just guided into a very relaxing 
breath experience that helps oxygenate all your cells. It calms your nervous system. It literally signals you to just calm down. And because you're energizing and feeding breath into your cells, you, you your whole body starts to feel better. So that's available at three minutes to de-stress.com and it's the numeral three and listeners can just download it and I recommend using it multiple times a day. Anytime you just feel like you need a little break, just turn that on, listen, and you just feel better in three minutes. Mm. So, and that's wonderful. And, and what do you recommend for the person who, like I mentioned before, she just cannot, or he cannot look into their own eyes. Is this because of shame? Is this just a lack of self-love? What's going it's on there? A lack of self-love because if you're looking in the mirror and you're thinking, oh my gosh, look at the wrinkles. Oh my gosh, my eyes have really gotten so much smaller or look, my hair is turning gray. Oh, I need to tweeze my eyebrows. I mean, if you're looking at all of these things that you're feeling are wrong with yourself, it becomes very difficult to look in the mirror. So it's looking past that. It's looking at the true you. You are not your eyes. You are not your hair. You are not your body. You are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings. You are this divine person. And it's important to move into that new dimension of seeing yourself as the total perfect entity that you are. And you're perfect right now. Yet maybe there are things you want to change. However, in this moment, you still are this divine, perfect creature. And it's important for you to begin to own that. So when you just bypass the surface things and allow yourself to go deeper into who you really are, how you want to show up in the world, what you want to do in the world to make a difference. Too many people go into relationships saying, okay, so what can I get out of this instead of what can I give to this? Mm -hmm. So I like to get up in the morning and think, okay, what can I give to the world today? Yeah. And, and it's so interesting because when there is a lack of self-love, it just seems like there is nothing that pulls you out of whatever you know, negative state you're in than giving. And it can oh, be the, right? the most simple thing. So give whatever you feel comfortable giving. It could be something as simple as a compliment to somebody or, you know, pay for the coffee and the person behind you online, whatever it is, but it just will pull A smile. You give yeah. someone a smile. And, and, and isn't that true? You have no idea what that person is going through and that just may be what they needed. So, you know, absolutely. It's so true. So what's the number one way to break through? So the number one way is really belief. So if you can believe you can break through, you can. So it's having that can-do mindset instead of that, I can't. And it makes a huge difference. And so it's important to develop the right tools for you to use consistently. Uh, I have a book, Escape from Anxiety, Supercharge Your Life with Powerful Strategies from A to Z. And I have literally over 100 different interrupters, as I call them, techniques that can be used to interrupt stress and anxiety. And it's important, you know, for each person that number one breakthrough is maybe different. And so it's important to experiment a little bit and to try a few different things. And once you find something that really works for you, it's important to stick with it. It takes 30 to 90 days to form new habits. So you really have to be vigilant about it. And that will help you change that victim mindset and help you be victorious. Mm, and that's so great. And I remember one of my mentors saying that you can't judge anything for 30 to 60 days any either, because we're so quick to judge, oh, this doesn't work. 
but we haven't created that habit yet. So you really have no right to judge it if it's, if it hasn't become a part of you, you know? So, so if it is working, what's something that someone would feel? What would they, what would be the difference they're experiencing? So instead of feeling like a victim all the time and feeling on the you know, negative receiving end of things, they would start to feel glimmers. Now it wouldn't happen instantaneously. It's not like switching a switch, but they would feel glimmers of moments where they really feel empowered. They feel confident. They feel uh, capable. They feel beautiful. They feel they have lots to offer. There's just a change in their whole mindset. And when the mindset changes, they physically change. They start standing taller. They start walking more confidently and they look different. They start glowing because they're feeling so much better. Everything starts functioning more optimally. Mm. It's amazing, the transformation. And what would be, so can you just give us a few different methods just for increasing our confidence just before we're headed out for our day? So again, I love using the audio recordings, just taking some time to focus inward and sort of build that, that inside, um, that inner muscle strength um, and taking time for self-care, giving yourself time to exercise, uh, even if you only put in 10 minutes a day, just physically taking a walk in nature is uplifting or jogging. I actually use a rebounder, a little mini trampoline. And so I work um, a lot at a computer and I use a standing desk and I take my breaks and go jump on my rebounder. And, and that just really buoys me up and helps really move my energy in a more forceful, productive way. And really get rid of some of the non-essentials. I think sometimes we uh, don't prioritize our task list very well. And it's important to just let go of less important tasks, let it go to another day, simplify, allow yourself to be human and accept what you can do and what you can't do in a certain time frame, so that you don't end up feeling overwhelmed and stressed. And you know, it's just really important to allocate time for yourself. And the other really important one is really getting rid of that negative self-talk and noticing it, really tuning in and realizing, wait, why am I saying that? This is really self-defeating. So um, it's important to develop positive words instead of saying, oh, why did I do that? I'm so stupid. I'm no good, right? You dig yourself into that frenzy. So instead, condition yourself to change the words that you use. And actually, I'm so excited about this new product I just introduced um, called I Am Happy Now Ceramic Mugs. And inside each mug, I have um, two different great words to help people reinforce that as they're sipping their morning coffee or tea. So um, I have designs on the outside. On one, I have hearts, and inside it says kind, loving. I have one with just a really fun design, and inside it's brave, passionate. Another one, confidence and um, grateful, and it's really important to be grateful. And another one, inspired and serene. And so um, these are, I created for my clients who I can't be with every day, but I want them to start every day with this really positive mindset. And it makes such a difference in how the rest of the day goes. If you get up frenzied and upset and panicked or feeling insecure about what you're doing for that day, it's going to infiltrate every part of that day and it's not productive for you and it doesn't feel good. And if you really want to create that confidence, you have to cultivate it. And it takes 
some mindfulness and some good choices in order to do that. So uh, if anyone's interested, um, they can see the I Am Happy mugs at IamHappyNow.com. And, you know, I, it's so important what you said that, you know, all the strategies that you gave really don't count on anything external making your day, you know, or making you more confident or making you feel a certain way. It, it As always, it starts from within. So, Peggy, what do you want to make sure everybody knows before we wrap up? So, yeah, I just that's so important about knowing that happiness is an inside job. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's really important that we own it and we take responsibility for how we want our life to be. And I love what Oscar Wilde once said, which is be yourself. Everyone else is taken. Mm -hmm. And it's really truly important about owning who you are and revel in it because we each are here for a purpose, for a reason. We each have a journey and accept the challenges and really savor the talents and the gifts and the joys of your life. And again, be grateful. I think that's so important that you be in the now, focus on the now, and really appreciate what's around you. What are you grateful for right now? Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Peggy, I want to thank you so much. And how do we, uh, where do we find more about you? I know you mentioned where we can get the mugs and everything, but just give, give it to us one more time. Uh, so my website is PeggySealFon.com. You can go to IamHappyNow.com for the mugs. And Three minutes to de-stress.com is where you can download a free audio. And actually on my website, if you go to any of those pages, you'll actually get into my website. And I have lots of free information. I do a monthly audio blog with lots of tips. And that's at talkabouthealthyliving.com. So I'm really about helping people release all struggles and be the best they can be. And so I try to provide a good resource that people can go to to just find what they're seeking. Terrific. Peggy, I want to thank you so much. And I know everybody got a lot out of this today. I did too. Thank Thank you. you so much. I appreciate being here, Debbie. Thank you for what you're doing. I really loved all those different suggestions that Peggy gave, and I personally know lots of people who've really benefited from Louise Hayes' mirror work. You can download those audios Peggy mentioned by going to 3minutes2destress.com and check out those inspirational mugs at IamHappyNow.com. We'll also have all of her links in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. It doesn't matter how long ago a message was instilled in you. If it doesn't serve you, it can be changed for one that does. You have a choice in what you think, but you can't change what you're not aware of. See what's showing up in your life. That'll show you what you believe. Your thoughts got you here. So if it's not what you want, it's going to take new thoughts to get you something and somewhere else. And let us help you with that. Head over to pbtinstitute.com to receive my gift of how your biggest crisis reveals your greatest gift. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.